0: Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. I'm glad that they're here. 2 Samuel chapter 8. I want to bring a very simple thought to your hearing, but I believe that it is of God. And uh, when you feel it's of God, you just deliver it and you let Him do the rest. 2 Samuel 8, beginning at verse number 1. And the word of the Lord said, And after this, it came to pass. That David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methagamah out of the hand of the Philistines, and he smote Moab. And now get this tonight. He smote Moab and he measured them with a line casting them down to the ground, even with two lines measured he to put to death. The Bible said that he lined them up and then he decided which life he was going to take. And with one full line to keep alive, and so the Moabites became David's servants and they brought gifts. Tonight, I, I don't know who the Word of the Lord is for, but I know this is that in preparation the beginning of this week, I could not get away from this. And so I want to preach to you tonight on this simple subject, some things have to die. Some things You just have to die. And tonight, I believe that before we leave this place, some things are going to be put to death. Some things that you've been struggling with, I think we're going to put them to death tonight. Some things that the Lord has allowed you to go through, I believe that tonight that God's going to say enough is enough. We're going to put it to death in this place tonight. I want you to put your Bibles down and clap your hands and just begin to give God praise in this house. Somebody lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated tonight in the name of the Lord. I want to start by saying that issues of life and death are as serious as it gets. When we, as a society, when we want to stress the importance of a decision that we have to make, we often say things like, it is a matter of life and death. You see, when it's someone that you love and someone that you care about, when they're involved in an accident or they fall ill, there is one question whose answer is the most important piece of information to us in those times, and that question is, are they going to live? At that moment, you're not concerned about scars. You're not concerned about broken bones at that point. But all that matters most is is that person going to live or is their condition going to be fatal? I can think of no question that is heavier than that of a judge or a jury to consider than that of life or death for a defendant. It's easy for us to step back and look from the outside and say, well, if I were on the jury or if the decision was up to me, I would have no issue sentencing them to death for their crimes. But listen, it would be much different entirely when you are holding the life of an individual in your hand. You see, in Roman times, in the Roman arena, when the gladiators fought, when one had fallen to his opponent, the opponent held a sword to his neck, ready to sever his arteries. With his eyes, then, would be on one man up in the stand who would decide his fate. And with a thumbs up, that would mean that he got to live to, uh, to fight another day, to fight another po- an opponent. But if the thumbs were down, that meant that his life was over and there was no hope for him that his life would be taken from him in a moment. It is amazing how life and death can hinge on just one simple moment. It is amazing how eternal consequences can sway and they can swing on just one God moment in a service like we have experienced tonight. It is amazing to me how one service can be a turning point that changes everything in one's life. It's as hard as it is to say tonight, and as much as we don't want to face it, but there are these things in life that every one of us have to put to death. There comes a point in the life of every man and woman when they have to stand up, no matter how hard it is and no matter how painful it may be, there is a deciding moment in every life of every child of God when you've got to stand up and you've got to make some decisions and you've got to put some things that are comfortable to you, they are familiar to you, but you've got to stand up in a moment in a service like we have been in tonight and you say, you've Carried around with me way too long. I've struggled with it way too long. And tonight, I'm going to put it to death. Tonight, I'm going to sever the head of the enemy. And I'm going to put it to death once and for all. You see, when you've got weeds growing, and I can say this because Dion's here. If you've ever been by Dion's house, it the lawn is perfect. And here, and here, about a month ago, we about lost Dion to a, a heart condition when, when none other but Dylan Jordan pulled into his driveway and drove through his grass. We, we talked about that. I told Dion, I'm like, do you, or I told Dylan, do you realize what you've done? But when you've got weeds in your garden, if you like your garden, you don't say, well, as long as they stay away from my tomatoes, I'll, I'll let them coexist or I'll, I'll let them co-inhabit it. No, you don't do that. You go into that garden and you pluck those weeds out by the roots and you cast them aside. You pull them up by the roots so they won't grow again. If there is a snake, now hear me tonight. A couple years ago I walked out of my, mm, I'm getting the heebie-jeebies thinking about it right now. I walked out of my house. And I walked into my garage just about the time a snake was slithering into my garage door. Now listen, I want to tell you tonight that I was manly about it. But I have to tell you that I was not. For a moment I went running back into the house. I'm like, oh my, what am I going to do? And I ran out. And I ran out and I grabbed a shovel and I did the only thing that I could do. I chopped the snake's head off. I don't care if it was poisonous. I don't care if it was a garden snake. That dude had to die. But if you have a snake in your garage or you have a snake in your basement, if I have a snake in my house, I'm not going to say, well, if you'll just just mind your business, and if you'll just stay in the corner, if you'll just kind of tuck yourself underneath some things, and you leave me alone, you leave my family alone, and you don't get in my way, then you can live here. No, sir, no way. If I find a snake in my garage, I'm going to take a shovel just like I did, and I'm going to cut his head off, and and, and there's going to be no questions asked. I don't care what anybody has to say about it. Don't waste your breath telling me the benefits of having a snake around to eat the mice. I'll kill the mice too when I kill the snake. But I'm going to kill that snake. I'm going to pluck those weeds up. By the room. I don't care what anybody else thinks about it. I'm about to preach tonight. I don't care what anybody says about it. But I'm cutting the head off of that thing because it has invaded my house. When the snake weasels his way into my home and starts meddling around my house and he starts messing with my family, I'm going to cut his head off and I'm going to take his life. I'm not going to take any prisoner. I'm not going to say, if you'll just leave me alone, you can stay here. Tonight, whatever it is that you may be facing, you need to look at that situation. You need to look at that thing, and you need to say, no longer are you welcome in my home. No longer are you going to be in my life. But tonight, I said tonight, I'm going to cut your head off. Tonight, I'm going to take your life. There are some things that we have allowed in our house. some things that we have allowed into our lives. They look harmless. They seem harmless. They're comfortable. They're familiar. We've carried them around way too long. But the, the issue is, is that little thing, it started out something so cute and so innocent. I feel like preaching tonight. We've allowed it, and we've said, well, it's not really that big a deal. Brother Duggar, I, I, I can control it if I want to. I, I, I can stop anytime I want to. I can lay it aside. Well, I'm just going to miss one service. I, I, I'm just going to do it this one time. And before you know it, that thing that you picked up that was so cute and cuddly, that's a thing with a baby snake. It may start off something small and something cute, and something that you said, well, that thing can't really hurt me. But those things grow into big snakes. Those things grow into something that we used to be able to control, and now it's My God, I feel like saying it right now. We've allowed it to grow. We have fed it. We have nurtured it. We've let it sleep in our bed. We've let it eat at our table. But tonight, you need to go ahead and cast that thing out of your home. You need to say, I I know I let you in, but now I'm evicting you. I'm serving you notice that you've got to get out of my house. You've got to get out of my life. You've got to get your hands off my family. Hear me tonight. There is an enemy of your soul that would love nothing more than to invade your home and to get cozy with you. He would like to eat at your table with you. He'd like to convince you that he's harmless. He'd like to convince you that he's there as your friend. He'd like to convince you that he is there as your confidant. And he would love nothing more than to invade your home. He would do he'd love nothing more than to start messing with your family. He would love nothing more than to start messing with your kids. He would love nothing more than to convince you that it's okay. He will use others to try to convince you that it's not so bad. He will use others to come and speak to you and to give you encouragement to go ahead and let it in your home. He would love to to, to use somebody else to justify The decision's that you are making and what you are allowing in your home. Be very, very, very careful, mom and dad. Be very, very, very careful, young person. Be very careful, grandma and grandpa, what you allow in your life. Be very careful on who you allow to speak into your life. Be very careful what you bring into your home because that innocent thing, that little baby problem will grow up to be a big problem. Problem, and it will take up more space in your life than you ever thought it would. But he would love nothing more to get cozy with you. And then at that moment when you've allowed him in, and at that moment when you're eating dinner at your table and he's pulled up a chair, And he's eating the same thing that you're eating. He's eating off your dishes. He's using your silverware. He's drinking from your cup because he's in your home. And at that moment, he would love nothing more than to expose himself for what he is. And he would love to take you out. He would love to kill you. He does not care about you. He may say, Well, I'm your friend. I'm innocent. But he has motives. The enemy has motives. The Bible says that he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Tonight, there needs to be decisions made in this building. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but somebody needs to stand up in the midst of this service tonight and say, it's enough. Enough is enough. Tonight, I'm going to put it to death. Tonight, some things just have to die. You can't negotiate with him. You can't reason with him. You can't wish him away. But you have to hunt him down and you have to take a sword and you've got to cut his head off. I preached about it here a while back that when David killed, hit Goliath in the head with that stone, Brother Duggar, there's a reason. That David went up and grabbed Goliath's sword and he cut his head off because he knew that if that, that if that giant ever began to stir again, he knew that if he could just get up onto his knees, that it would mean certain death for him. And he said, I'm not gonna give him a chance. I'm not gonna give him a fighting chance. And he ran and he cut his head off. Tonight, there's gotta be some head cutting tonight. There's gotta be some things that you've put to death tonight. And you can't just you can't just hope that it goes away. You can't Can't just push it under the rug, but you gotta deal with it. You gotta deal with it. Tonight, I fear that the enemy has invaded even our churches. I fear that the enemy has begun to invade the homes some of the most seasoned saints, because we're all subject to his attacks, and we're all subject to his disguises, and we're all subject to his tactics, and he has begun to invade the church, and, we've, and, 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 and many in our churches hear me tonight have started to compromise some things in their life. They begin to say, well, I know that that mom and dad used to talk against this and wouldn't allow me to do it, but I I don't see any trouble with it. Listen, those safeguards were put there for a reason. Your holiness standards were put there for a reason. They're there to protect you. They're there as a line in the sand. It may not be sin. It may not send you to hell, but it's there to protect you. It's there to safeguard you from the attack of the enemy because the enemy knows if he can get you to cross the line. David was a man of war. He knew what it was like to wield a sword. He, he knew what it was like to have the feel of blood on his hands on the battlefield. He knew what battle sounded like. He was familiar to the sounds. They were familiar to his ears. He had watched men die beside him in battle. He had witnessed men far before him at his sword. You see, war was part of of David's nature, so much so that when he said, I want to build a house for God, God looked at him and he said, you are a man of war. You've got too much blood on your hands to build my house. He said, I'll let you gather the materials. I'll let you provide all the materials, but David, you're not going to build my house, but your son's going to build my house. He was a military giant, and the Bible tells of his many victories. And in our text, we read a little bit about what David accomplished on the battlefield. First thing that we, we read about and that we learned, that David subdued the Philistines. And hear me, this was no ordinary feat, but this was an amazing feat because the Philistines were iron workers. They, 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 they knew the art of, of, of making swords out of art. They knew how to make weapons that no other army, that nobody else knew how to make. And they possessed weapons that nobody else had. And David accomplished what countless others had only dreamed about accomplishing. And the second thing that our text tells us The Bible says that David smote Moab. Moab, Moabites were the descendant of Lot, who was Abraham's nephew. And most in this building tonight know the story, but Lot being rescued from Sodom, he was instructed to flee to the mountains. And instead of going where God had instructed him, he insisted that he be allowed to go to Zoar. And when he got there and the fire began to fall, Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. And the next morning, it was a, that's the tragedy of almost following God's plan. The next morning, after he had lost the most precious thing in his life, Lot took his two daughters and then he went to the mountaintop. Isn't it amazing that when, when we get up, When we face calamity and God has told us to do one thing and and we go and do our own. And when tragedy comes and calamity comes, isn't it amazing that after it comes, that's when we begin to obey the Lord. But he took his two daughters. And Lot said, I don't want to go to the mountain. That's what he said. The guy said, I don't want to go to the mountain. But I want to stay here because this is home. This is familiar to me. This is is where I've built my life. This is where I've raised my family. This is where my wife and I got married. This is what we've always done, where we always live. And God allowed him, listen to me tonight, God allowed him to choose where he thought he might find refuge. But when Lot saw the wrath of God, he quickly decided that mountain climbing Sounded pretty good to him. But look at what it cost him. Look at what his decisions cost him. It cost him his wife. It cost him his life partner. And it cost him his daughter's falling into immorality. I want to pause and I want to tell somebody in this place that it is better to heed the mercy of God than it is to respond to the judgment of God. It's easier to heed to his mercy when he says, don't do that, don't go there, don't say that don't act that way. Don't allow that into your home. It's better at that point to say, God, I trust you and I believe you than it is to allow that into your life. And once it has grown and once it has tried to smother you, then you make a decision that God was right all along. But somebody in this place tonight, you're you're teetering, teetering on the line of decision and you've allowed it and you've allowed it to happen and you've allowed your kids to do it and you've allowed yourself to go there but tonight I pray and I urge you heed to the mercy of God heed to his calling and get those things out of your life crucify those things in your life cut the head off those things and kill it in your life come on somebody raise your hands in this building right now God wants to speak to us come on somebody lift your hands and ask God God would you reveal it to me right now God said, I was being merciful to you when I pulled you out of Sodom, Lot. But if you won't separate yourself in response to my mercy, then he said, I will show you what I can do. I will show you my might and my power. You are better off to respond to God's mercy than to man that then to demand that God show you his power through his judgment. They got to the top of the mountain. The Bible tells us that children are conceived and born in in immorality on the mountain. The first of those children born in in immorality is Moab, the father of the Moabites. You see, Moabites became a thorn in the flesh of God's people. The Moabites plagued the children of Israel. They lied in wait for the children of Israel. And centuries later, when David conquers them finally, the Bible says that he lined them up. He threw them on the ground and measured them And three lines, What a sight it would have been, Brother Duggar, to see those enemies of the Lord. Those enemies of the children of of Israel. Subdued and lying on the ground at David's feet. What a sight. God's enemies lying helplessly at the feet of David. And the Bible says that with a sword in his hand. That David said, this line, this line, they're going to live. I'm going to spare this line. They, they will live another day. But these two lines, you see, these things, I, 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 can, I can live with that, and I can let that go. But these two things. I can't allow them to live. Now, I don't know what played into David's decision, Brother Brandon, on who died and who lived. I don't know. I don't know if it was something personal with him. I don't know. If maybe those two lines of men were the ones that posed the greatest threat to David. I I don't know if God spoke from heaven and said, David, you can let those go. But you gotta take these out. I, I I don't I don't I'm not gonna pretend. I'm not going to pretend to know the factors that played into why some lived and why others died. But whatever the case, David walked through there saying, Israel, this one has to die. And that one's got to die. And that one's got to die. What I want to tell you in this place tonight, that there are going to be some things in your life that you gotta knock to the ground. And some things may be not worth getting your hands dirty with. There may not be anything great, struggle with you, but there are some things that you gotta look at and you gotta decide do I let it live or do I let it die? Do I allow it in my home or do I cast it out? Is it something big that I won't be able to control later or is it have to die in this place tonight? Was saying to the Israelites, he said, You don't you don't understand. You see, there are probably those there that day that are much like the day in which we live. There are probably some that said, Hold on, David, wait a minute. Aren't you aren't you being a little harsh? David, is that really such a a big deal? I mean, it's just it's just one thing. It's just a it's just a little thing. It's just a it's just a a, a little temptation. It's just it's just something little. Look at that. Look how small that is. Don't you think that you are are are, are acting rashly? And is it or don't you think you're being a little harsh? But David was saying. He said, no, you don't understand Moab, because if I don't kill it now, if I don't put it to death now, then tomorrow, because there will be a tomorrow, and tomorrow, it could be that it rises up and grows into something that I cannot handle. I may be... I may be able to handle it now. I may have a little control over it now. But if I let it live and I let it grow, then tomorrow it's going to grow into something that I've never thought that it would be. It will grow up into something that I can't handle. Listen to me tonight. It may look small. It may be insignificant. And it may not be much of a problem now. But if you don't kill it, if you don't put it to death, then their sun will rise tomorrow. And that thing will grow day after day after day. And that, what you had a handle on, will be too big for you to control. And it will swallow you up. See, there are some things just have to die. You have to kill it while you got a chance. Because it may grow into something so big that you can't control it. If you don't kill it now, it might get back up and arm itself and attack your family. If you don't kill it in this service tonight, there may come a day when it rises and jumps on your children and jumps into my marriage. So tonight, I'm going to put it to death. Tonight, once and for all, I'm going to make a decision that no longer will it control me. No longer will I struggle with it. No longer will I take it into my No longer will I take it into my marriage, but I'm going to kill it tonight. He said, so why? While I've got it down, I'm going to put a sword to its throat. And I'm going to kill the thing once and for all. Because some things just have to die. There are some things, as I close tonight, there are some things that you can't play around with. I know this is heavy tonight, but this is the word from the Lord. There are some things that you can't afford to play with. There are some things that you can't tolerate. There are some things that you can't afford to get cozy with. You can't handle them, but you just have to kill them. You have to take inventory tonight and say, that dies tonight and that dies tonight. That's not really important, so that's going to die tonight. I've been struggling with this for a little while, and I had, a, I had a hold on it, but it's getting me deeper and deeper involved, so I'm going to kill that tonight. You have to stand in this place. You can't wait one more week. You can't afford to wait one more day. you got to say, that dies tonight. Adversity, you got to die tonight. Disease, you've got to die tonight. Addiction, you've got to die tonight. We justify it. I'm not getting on anybody's case in here tonight because we all do it. The sad thing is that too many of us We take inventory about once a year in January and February. We said, well, January and February is coming. The awakening is coming. We'll start fasting. We'll start praying a little bit. So I better better get rid of that. I better get that out of my life. so." So when the evangelist is here, he doesn't read my mail. We chuckle about it, but it's true. And I don't mean to be harsh and rude, and please don't misunderstand me tonight because we all do it. We all wait till we have to. We all wait until we're afraid that someone's going to figure it out. We wait till someone's coming over. And we take that thing that we've allowed in our house. We've, we take those things that we've struggled with. And we put them in the back closet. And we shut the door. That's, when, that's what you do when you have company come over. You go through the house. And you grab every piece of junk. And you throw it in the closet. You throw it under the bed. In hopes that nobody knows that you actually live in that house. Tonight. So many of us live our walk with God that way. We say, well, look how cute it is. Look how, look how pretty that is. Look how they're accepted. Look how popular they are. Look how everybody wants to be my friend, and we allow it because it feels good to us. It feels good to our flesh. It feels good to our, our mind. And we feel, we feel good about ourselves by allowing that. We allow in. and we, we feed it and we nurture it and we coddle it. We say, well, it'll be okay. Because it'll, I, I can stop anytime I want to. I can let it go anytime I want. Hear me tonight. I mean it with all sincerity that I have in my heart, and my mind, and my soul tonight. You gotta kill it. Yeah, it's gore. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it stings. Yeah, you gotta get your hands dirty. But you gotta, you gotta kill it. That habit has to die tonight that that spirit has to die in this service tonight that root of bitterness has to die in this that jealousy that you've been harboring has to die tonight that gossip has got to die tonight that addiction has to die tonight it will never see another sunrise my pastor isn't going to have to preach me to to me about it again my youth pastor isn't going to have to drag me to an altar again it's under my feet and i'm going to kill it tonight stand with me I, I don't want to say it tonight you 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 can't afford To play around with fornication. You you can't afford to tolerate illicit lifestyles. You can't afford to tolerate uncleanness. You can't afford to tolerate lustful thoughts, young people. You can't afford to tolerate unclean spirits. But you've got to look at it. And you've got to speak to it, and you've got to pick up a sword, and you've got to put it to death. I shared this illustration, but I want to share it in closing tonight. A few years ago, was a new story came out about a lady who had a python. She bought this python, brought it into her house. She began to feed it and she began to let it just have free reign in her house. And if that wasn't enough, she allowed the python into her bedroom. Not in a cage, but that python slept every night in that woman's bed. And she told the story how that, ba- that snake that would curl up beside of her and sleep, it went from curling up next to her to stretching out the entire length of her and would lay up against her and sometimes she would wake up in the morning and the snake would be laying on top of her stretched from head to foot. And she tells a story how this snake that once had a good appetite stopped eating went on for several days and she, she couldn't get it to eat that, that morsel of a, a rat or whatever she fed it, it would, she would put it in its cage during the day and she would come home and the rat would still be there and that snake wouldn't have eaten it and she would go to bed that night and wake up the next morning again with that snake stretched out from head to toe so she takes the snake to the vet and tells the vet what's going on, or she well she didn't tell the full story. She said, "Doc, it won't eat. Th- this, something's wrong." He said, "Well, it's probably got a touch of something. So I want you to give it this medicine and 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 see how it reacts in a couple days. And two, three, four, five days go on, and the snake's still not eating. And, and every morning that she wakes up, that snake is in is laying next to her, stretched out from head to toe." So she takes it back to the vet, and she tells the doctor he still won't eat. Oh, and doc, it's no big deal. But every morning when I wake up, this snake is, is stretched out next to me in bed from head to toe. The, 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 the doctor or the, the veterinarian, thank you told her, said, you better get that snake out of your house and you better do it now. He said, that snake's not sick. That snake has nothing wrong with its appetite, but it's starving itself to death and wait for its next meal. And with it stretching out next to you, it's sizing you up and it's going to make you your next meal. So you better get that thing out of your house. You better kill it. You better let it go in the wild. Whatever you have to do, you got to get that thing out of your house. And I tell you in this building tonight. It may look innocent. It may be something small, but it's going to be sizing you up, and it's looking to take you out, and you got to decide that once and for all, I'm casting you out of my house. I'm casting you out of my life. You fornication, lustful thoughts, you've got to leave my life right now. I'm going to crucify you in this service, and I'm going to kill you once and for all. I open the altars tonight. And if you've got anything in your life, if you've got anything, you need to come up to this altar and you gotta put it to death tonight. You gotta to say, it's got to go. You're not going home with me tonight, time, but I'm gonna kill you at an yeah. altar in this service tonight.